Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. All week we are talking about the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia this week. Hillary Clinton will almost certainly get the nomination for president. She has chosen a vice presidential candidate to run with her. But, of course, there's a scandal burgeoning today uh, about the Democratic National Committee and what role it played during the primaries and caucuses that got us to this point. Uh, We're talking about this all day and, of course, all week. If you want to join the conversation, what do you think about what's going on with the DNC? Do you think the DNC... Put its thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton in a way that mattered, and that's why she's the nominee. Or do you think this is much ado about not very much? Uh, also, what do you think of Tim Kaine as the vice presidential pick? Uh, is that somebody that you think is ready to be commander in chief if Hillary Clinton is elected and can't serve? Is he liberal enough to be the VP pick for Hillary Clinton? 313 577. 1019 is the number to join us. That's 313-577-1019. The Democratic Party has come to be known as the party of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and John F. Kennedy, but the party that's now known as the left-leaning more progressive of the two major parties began as something much different. Andrew Jackson was the first Democratic president, of course, and was known for being highly unlikable and cruel. The Democratic Party was the party of slavery in this country for a very long time, and even after the Civil War was was the party of Jim Crow and racial segregation until uh, the late 1940s, really, when it began to turn uh, more toward the idea of civil rights over the next 20, 25 years. You see the party sort of flop positions on race and racism, and the Democratic Party becomes uh, the party of civil rights during the 1960s, while the Republican Party, which of course was founded uh, in opposition to slavery, uh, becomes the party of uh, of the Old South. Uh, here to talk about the history of the Democratic Party uh, up to that point, and of course up to now, past that point, is Mark Crewman. He's the founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship and a professor of American history at Wayne State University. Mark, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, that history that I'm talking about, of course, then culminates in uh, the last 20 or 30 years, uh, where we are seeing yet another, I think, shift in the way that the parties see themselves and in the way f- voters see them. Uh, the, the rightward move of the Democrats, uh, particularly after the, the blowouts in 1984 and 1988, they lose to Ronald Reagan, they lose to George H.W. Bush in in very big landslide elections. That gives birth to what we now know as uh, the Democratic Leadership uh, Council, uh, uh, folks like Bill Clinton, Al Gore, John Edwards, Hillary Clinton, uh, sort of emerge as third-way candidates, I think is what they would uh, at one time have called themselves, that they were Democrats, but more conservative. That, I think, has everything to do with the emergence of Bernie Sanders this year and the rancor that we've seen in the Democratic ranks about what the party stands for and where it should be headed. Uh, put put this year's uh, argument in, in context for us. Well, I think, first of all, that I would, uh, I would date the beginnings of a move away actually to— uh, the post 
1972 response to uh, the Nixon landslide and George McGovern's uh, catastrophic defeat uh-huh. from point of view of the Democratic Party. And you can see, in fact, a movement uh, that retained uh, an emphasis on centrists. Uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, Walter Mondale, uh, while uh, viewed as liberal, uh, it's in the context of uh, Cold War liberalism. And I think that after the Reagan election, though, uh, you used the word, is uh, Tim Kaine liberal enough? The idea of associating Democrats with liberalism, it was a had become a dirty word, sure. the L word. The L word, right. And now, uh, and progressive uh, began rhetorically to replace liberal. And so, but even now, alongside progressive, you see Stephen Henderson on radio talking about liberal as perceived by Democrats as a positive thing. Right. So I think that there there has been an important uh, an important shift. Uh, having said that, the uh, the result of more center left uh, leadership uh, reflected the difficulties that liberals, capital L, uh, faced. <laughs> In uh, in the elections of the the 1980s, and an important sea change in uh, in American political rhetoric and policy. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to watch a, a candidate like Hillary Clinton have to defend herself against people who are more liberal than she is. I mean, large swaths of uh, the voters this this primary and caucus season. Uh, were pushing back against uh, her policies, uh, her positions, particularly on labor and trade, her positions on on, on Wall Street, uh, because they don't see her as, as liberal enough. That's really ironic given the way that she was portrayed, say, 20 years ago uh, as the, the, the wife of, of candidate Bill Clinton uh, in 1992. Uh, Republicans painted her basically as a socialist uh, that, that who wanted uh, single payer health care, uh, all kinds of all kinds of uh, universal uh, government programs. Uh, the shift, I think, is not in the way that the Republicans see liberal versus conservative. It is in the way that Democrats are articulating it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Democrats much more comfortable with uh, with the word in the Clinton White House at least based on everything I've read, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, sat on the left political edge of White House politics. And her uh, leadership of health care reform in the White House, which earned her enemies and also uh, helped to precipitate the uh, loss of the House of Representatives in 1994, uh, nevertheless, reflects a particular vision of hers as well as then President Clinton's 
uh, position on important issues, social issues like health care. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Mark Kruman. Uh, he's the founding director of the Center for Study of Citizenship and a professor of American history at Wayne State University. We're talking about the Democratic Party and its history. We're talking about the Democratic National Convention uh, getting underway today in Philadelphia uh, to nominate Hillary Clinton to run uh, for president uh, this fall. Uh, we're talking about this the, the sort of movement of the parties over time between liberal and conservative, the movement of voters over time between liberal, liberal and conservative and the way they see the parties and candidates. If you want to join the conversation, talk about that. Talk about the scandal we see unfolding uh, at the Democratic National Committee. Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz says she now will step down as chair of, of that committee because of this scandal. Uh, you want to talk about Tim Kaine, the VP nominee on the Democratic side. What do you think of him? Is he liberal enough uh, to be uh, the vice president on the Democratic side? Is he liberal enough to attract uh, some of those Bernie supporters who were upset that he didn't win the nomination? Give us a call, 313 577 1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Mark in Ferndale. Mark, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, hi, thanks. Um, I guess I'm, I'm being Captain Obvious here, but I guess my, my issue is crony capitalism, and I just think that both the parties, both of them, the establishment wings at least, when you look at votes on trade, um, they're not tipped you know, like with the Republicans all on one side and the Democrats all on the other side, they like the TPP seem to be uh, a, lot a lot of, of agreement of them. Yeah. yeah and I, I guess to me, I just picture them on opposite sides of the bay and Martha's Vineyard launching water balloons <laughs> at each other. And maybe that's the extent of it. But uh, anyway, Mark, I was, in, I was on Martha's Vineyard last uh, week uh, for giving a speech and I didn't see anyone throwing water balloons. So. Right, right. Outstanding. <laughs> Go Cubs. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. Thanks very much for your call. Uh, uh, Mark Krumen, uh what Mark is saying there, I think, is is one of the problems that Democrats have and has developed over this this time since 1988 or or earlier, when they did sort of move back toward uh, the right as a way of winning national elections. They, I mean, they were getting killed uh, in in a lot of contests and decided that they needed to they needed to embrace more. Uh, more conservative economic policy, more uh, conservative trade policy, um, in order to in order to, to to win. But then you leave voters like Mark, who I think is it's safe to say is a, is a Democrat, sort of scratching his head and saying, "Well, where do I fit in all of this?" Well, understandably, I think that one of the issues, and I I claim no expertise whatsoever, is uh, on issues like trade is that there, uh, it becomes very difficult for supporters of free trade to bring the kind of clarity that opponents have because for opponents, the loss of jobs is obvious. You can count them. Uh, the benefits that come from trade agreements are not as obvious and so and are not as easily quantified and so it's uh, to to see uh, support for free trade or freer trade as uh, as an evil i'm not a, i'm not entirely 
convinced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Peter in Detroit. Peter, welcome to Detroit today. Hey there. Hey, Peter. Welcome back from the Inkwell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And welcome again to Dr. Crewman. Always nice to hear you on the show. Uh, listen, let me say this. I wasn't going to call today, but the, the first call you had, uh, uh, he was just completely off base. Look, the whole thing, the, 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 the reason we have Hillary Clinton and, and, and how she was able to, pro- to propel as far as she did. Yeah, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was not a good choice uh, to be the, the, uh, uh, the chair of the Democratic Party. The only, the only party that did a worse job was the Republicans picking Reince Priebus for reasons that are still unknown. But it was the Republicans who set up a situation where you had unlimited money that could come in and, pro- and, and, and not just give you enough money to outspend your opponents, but to have so much money that other people don't get into the race. There were only four people who got into the Democratic Party race, and one of them wasn't a Democrat. And that was because of the amount of money that Hillary Clinton was able to legally raise thanks to Citizens United, which Republicans mounted to try to get rid of Hillary Clinton. Nice going, guys, but that's (laughs) what you're up against is that they decided that unlimited money should be allowed in, 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 uh, uh, in politics, and now they're reaping the benefits of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, Peter, how do, you, how do you make sense of all that? And, and how do you sort of find your own sort of voice in the process and decide, okay, this is, this is, the, smart, this is the smart way to cast my vote? I, I think you do what, I, at least for me, I'm going to do what I've always done is look at what do I think is going to be better for the country as a whole and what's going to, do, what's going to serve me well, uh, and to stay away from demagoguery. The Republicans nominated somebody who stood up in front of God and everybody and said, I know the system, and I alone can fix it. That was the most chilling thing that happened in an entire week of chilling things. Because Republicans who are so fond of the Federalist Papers seem to have forgotten that at the last page of Federalist 85, Hamilton said, we need to always stand guard against the demagogue. They just just put up the worst demagogue you could possibly put up. I am going to be looking out for what's best for the country, and then what's best for me, and that's Absolutely not voting for Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. All right, Peter, thanks very much for that call. Let's go to Nathan in Lathrop Village. Nathan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a couple of comments. First of all, you started uh, when you introduced the history of the Democratic Party, and I think I just heard as I was waiting uh, to be called on some of what I was going to say about that, you know. The history of the Democratic Party doesn't begin really with Jackson. It goes to, you know, what was initially the, uh, or originally the Democratic Republican Party. There was a Jacksonian wing of it sure. that became the Democratic Party. But they look at their looked at their history to go going before the turn of the 19th century. I mean, it was somewhat to Jefferson, Hamilton. right? I mean, uh, Thomas Jefferson is is seen as uh, alongside Andrew Jackson, uh, one of the party founders. I think. That's well, the, the other wing was the Whigs, and they kind of disappeared. But um, 
And then uh, to continue, you know, the Republican Party, I mean, they, they, they love to, to refer to themselves as the party of Lincoln, but anybody who saw the movie Lincoln of last year <laughs> and knows that Lincoln had to fight uh, part of his own party for, to pass the Emancipation Proclamation. They were against it. The know-nothings were among the ancestors of the of the Repo- current Republican Party, and there was there was always a progressive wing in the Republican Party, but that kind of again died out with uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who was in a way kind of pushed out of the Republican sure. Party. Yeah, I ran it as an independent the last time he ran for president. That's, he well, he yeah. ran as a thir- on a third party ticket that yeah. got, by the way, more votes than the Republicans. <laughs> right. You know. All right, Nathan. Thank you very much uh, for that call, Professor Kruman. Uh, what do you think of of what Nathan's saying there about the, the again the history of the parties and sort of how that compares to where they are now? Well, the uh, the beginning of the party as a modern Democratic Party. I think you can uh, clearly see in 1828 and 1832, uh, certainly uh, Democrats claim lineage uh, going back to uh, to Jefferson, uh-huh. and uh, they uh, still hold Jefferson and Jackson Day dinners as fundraisers for the party. Uh-huh. I think that the, uh, the views of Republicans, I think, are— uh, are a bit off. They were uh, much more vigorously opposed to the expansion of slavery and to slavery itself. And while Lincoln certainly had to negotiate issues of timing, uh, he did not have difficulties with the Republican Party, though the kind of anti-racist, anti-slavery sentiment of the party clearly began to uh, erode during Reconstruction. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Mark Kruman, uh, director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship and professor of American history at Wayne State University. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. uh, Up next, we're going to talk with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell about what Democrats need to do to get a bump out of this week in Philadelphia. And stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. What do you think about the news from Philadelphia, the news about VP candidate Tim Kaine, the news about DNC Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz? Give us a call and stay with us on Detroit Today.